Welcome to Circle 3 Cowboy Fellowship's podcast. We are patriots, unafraid and unashamed to speak the truth and spread the gospel. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the show. You know, folks like the character in that song are all over this community this morning. There's people running 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction. And as a church, we need to remind ourselves, our job is to introduce them to Jesus in everything we do, whether it be barrel racing Mondays, team roping Thursdays, kids camp, anything we do here, our job is to find those people running 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction and show them that there's another direction they could run, and that's to Jesus. And sometimes we really need to remind ourselves of that. Well, I don't know for sure if I had a gizzard before the surgery, but I don't have one now. So I I know they were supposed to take my gallbladder, but I feel like I'm missing a gizzard at the same time. So I don't know what they did to me. You know, I've never been under anesthesia before in my life, and it was crazy. They wheeled me back there. They had this thing in my arm, and there's people around, and they're turning lights on, and I'm like, they're fixing to cut me open. And that was about the last thought that went through my mind. And then the next thought that went through my mind is, how did I get a mouthful of crackers that I can't seem to swallow, and they're shoving more in my face than they were waking me up? Do you want another cracker? Finally, I said, can I have some water to wash this wad down that I've got in my cheek? I felt like a chipmunk. And that's my first thought after surgery was, what are they shoving in my mouth that I'm supposed to swallow? There we go. But it was nice to have a couple weeks to recuperate. And uh, for any of you who were part of pressuring me to get my gallbladder out, there's a few in this church that did. I'm not going to name names except for Cindy. She was one of them. And maybe Pam. I'm still a little bit mad at you. Because I felt perfectly fine when I went into surgery, and then I spent two weeks getting over it. So, uh, let's see. I used to have a sermon. Here we go. Cindy, where'd you go? All right. <clears throat> But we were able to fly back and see our grandson who is growing. You know, when you are a parent of, a, of, a, of a, an infant and then up to a toddler, time seems to move very, very slowly. When you're a grandparent, it's like, oh, my goodness, look how fast he's growing. I mean, it took forever for my girls to quit crapping themselves and spitting up on me. It just did. This kid's going to be in school before I know it. So, it's kind of funny how your perspective changes when it's not yours. And the best part about it was this. So, we were at the airport. We flew in, and and Bentonville Airport has got a nice little restaurant. We got in about lunchtime. and So, Brittany and Carter were coming up to have lunch with us, and we were sitting there on the couch waiting for our name to be called. And pretty soon, she comes around, and she just plops him right down on the arm of the... Well, I remembered him, but he didn't remember me. And so when I grabbed him up, picked him up, boy, did he squall for a minute. And the beautiful thing about grandchildren, it's like, here you go. Take him back. 
I'll take, I'll take him back when he settles down. And he did. He settled down pretty quick. But, uh, it, was really, it was really fun. And then we were able to come home all the way without leaving our plane in some distant airport and renting a car. That was the first. Uh, yeah, that was fun. We got there and got back. So, all right. <clears throat> so, I'm just, you guys know I'm pretty, pretty transparent. I pretty much say what's on my mind. And what a great crowd we have here this morning. And uh, most of you look pretty nice, too. There's a few. A few of you we're not going to talk about. I just suggest you take a quick glance in the mirror before you come to church. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but as the pastor and as the church planter, I am, I'm always worrying about the health of the church and the condition of the church. And, and our evening service, and I'm not sure why, but we're seeing a real decrease in numbers. While, while the morning service is exploding and... and Looks like we're going to be buying more chairs soon. Our evening service seems to be dropping off, and I'm, I've been concerned about this, and, and uh, it weighs heavily on me um, because I want to see explosion of growth. We've, we've, we've been the, one of the fastest-growing churches on the Westland District, and that's out of six states for several years in a row now. Not the fastest always, but we're usually right up there. But, but uh, I see the evening service for some reason moving in a backwards direction, and I'm not sure what the answer for that is. It may just be timing. It may just be things going on uh, with people. Um, but, of course, as a pastor, you tend to personalize it and worry, okay, am I doing something wrong? Have I been preaching the wrong thing? Have I been leading in the wrong direction or any of the above? And, and, and that's, you know, I understand where that comes from. Satan is always trying to cause doubt and trip you up, and, and as a pastor, uh, you know, I, I've been on both sides of the fence. I, I spent most of my life as the kind of kind of person who comes into church and and uh, sets in somewhere near the back of the church, and just like we did last week, which was wonderful, by the way, and listen to somebody else play music and somebody else preach uh, at at the kids' church down in Arkansas. And that, and that pastor, he's not a cowboy. Uh, I try not to hold that against him, but he did a, he did a great job, and it was nice to get to set and listen to a good sermon. And uh, not have to be responsible for it. And, and it makes me miss and long for the days where I would slip into the church and hear a good sermon, shake a few hands on the way out the door, and I didn't have to worry about the church anymore. But that's not the situation I'm in now. And so I do worry about it. And, and uh, you know, it was brought to my attention prior to going in for surgery that, that uh, maybe it's my preaching is scaring some people. And I want to address our fears this morning. I want to address it because I do preach about the hard things in the Bible. I do. Um, I'm a firm believer that if you believe in Genesis chapter 1, where it says God created, if you believe those first few words and you accept those first few words as the word of God, you better be willing to accept the rest of it. All of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, we have no problem accepting the fact that, that John 3.16 tells us that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us, and we've got everlasting life. That's an easy one. Oh, we love that one. That's why it gets plastered all over everything. You see John 3.16 all, all over everything. 
You don't see a whole lot out of the book of Daniel, chapter 12, plastered on, on everything. Or, you know, you, nothing in Revelation. And, and as I think about the book of Revelation, I shared with you a little bit already, you know, the book of Revelation is God's foretelling of what he sees coming and how he's going to handle it. And that's evil. And if that scares you, we need to talk about that this morning. It's never been my intention as a pastor to scare anybody to the cross. That's not my tactic. That's not what I want to do. I don't want to scare you to Jesus. Although I want to encourage you, time is short. And what was it Woody said this morning? A, pro a procrastinator's job is never done. Is that what you said? There you go. I think he speaks from experience. Corey, am I right? Uh, I mean, I don't know. But a procrastinator's job is never done. And if you are a procrastinator when it comes to getting serious about Jesus, you might be so busy procrastinating that you miss it when Jesus comes back. And I don't want anybody to be in that situation. I care about each and every one of you who are here. This is a church family, and this is our family. This has been our family now for several years. And, and uh, we appreciate and care about each and every one of you. I don't get to know each and every one of you on the same level. Um, that's because there's a lot of you. And I get busy, and I am busy, but it doesn't mean that I care about anybody here any less than anyone else, except for maybe Karen. She's a little bit below the rest of you, but there's other reasons for that. <clears throat> so the reason, I care, the reason I preach the way I do is, is kind of for two reasons. A, I beg God for a sermon because I don't have it in me to preach. I'll just be honest with you. I'm not up here to preach because I just like being heard. I really like what I had last Sunday. Come into church, hear somebody else preach, and get the heck out of Dodge and go, what's for lunch? You know, as soon as the preacher's done praying that last prayer, I'm thinking, well, no, I was probably thinking a little about lunch before, but not too much because he did have an interesting. I always like to hear preachers preach a sermon that go along with my beliefs. And he was preaching on the Nephilim, and you guys have heard me preach on the Nephilim before. And it was very obvious to me that his research and mine were exactly the same. He, he, he researched the same topics that I did because his message was almost identical. And uh, so I, I did like that. But that's normally what I would like to do, but God has got other plans, and I'm willing to, to do whatever God has asked me to do because you know what? He went to the cross for me, and he didn't have to. And who am I to say no to him? So I'm preaching. But I don't do it because I have some agenda or because I am political. That's, that's another uh, criticism that I've recently had. And that's okay. I'm, I'm fine with criticism. I don't mind criticism. Uh, it, just, it just gives me a, an excuse to fight back. <laughs> but, uh, but no, and that's okay uh, if you think I'm. And, and, and I'll be quite honest. I've said this before. But I know, I see faces out there when I'm preaching, and I know when I start talking about certain hot topics, some people are very interested, and some people get turned off. And that's okay. But don't turn me off too soon until you've heard me fully. I have never preached a message where I intended to leave anybody fearful or gloomy. Because there is no reason for the Christian to be fearful. God is on our side. We're not going to have to endure the things that Revelation is talking about. That's not meant for us. So if you are a Christian today, there is no reason to fear. Now, if you're scared to death of the book of Revelation, 
come see me. We need to talk about Jesus because Jesus is our strength. Jesus is where, our faith in Jesus is where we get our strength to handle everything that's going on in the world today that's ugly. And it is. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. And I'm not going to tell you it's going to get better because I don't believe it is. I believe it's going to get better when Jesus blows, and the angels blow that horn and Jesus comes back to get us all. That's when it's better. And that's when we can just simply walk away and say, you can have it. You want my little cabin up? You want my airplane? Take it. I can fly without it now. You know, that's what I intend out of every message is to leave you guys feeling hopeful and strengthened in your faith. But I'm not going to be a preacher who feeds you all the candy of the Bible and all the sweet stuff and not talk about the other because the other is what we're dealing with today. It's what we're seeing today. So I want to encourage us this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 states, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. See, guys, if you've accepted Jesus, I truly believe that once we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit moves in and sets up camp. I believe that. The Word of God tells us that. You know, we talk about, well, when we, when we are born again, we allow Jesus into our heart. Let's understand Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus was a man. Just like Jim Cole sitting here on the front. Well, maybe not just like, but very similar to. He was physical. He lived here. He breathed there. He ate food. He drank. And he, and he lived by the laws, for the most part, of physics although he could bend them here and there when, when he, he felt the need to. But he was here, present. It's not he who physically enters our heart. It is the Holy Spirit. That's who he sent when he went to heaven to be with the Father. When he went to heaven to go prepare this wonderful place that he has promised us, and you know what, if Jesus promises it, I believe it's going to happen. He's building us a place today. He was a carpenter, you know. I don't think it was by accident that he came down here and was born into a carpenter's family because he went back up to heaven and now he's building. And he's probably got him a crew of angels that can pound a nail like none other. You know, I've come to appreciate carpenters and the way they can handle a hammer because the other day I had a piece of equipment delivered to me, and that's a whole other story. I'm just going to say I didn't have to repent very much after I, to get it here. It wasn't as bad as the Montrose Ford situation, but it was a pretty bad deal. I don't know why people feel it's okay to take your money and then not give you what they, what they take your money for. But we had to get a little bit tough on them, and, and, and I did. And, and, and really, I felt pretty good about it afterwards. I thought, you know, I don't think I'm going to have to get on my knees over this deal. So anyway, after doing that, the truck came up, and they put this 21,000-pound this caterpillar excavator in a box van semi <laughs> and they had straps going across it tied to the walls and I'm thinking if he hits his brakes really hard that thing's going to shift and the walls are going to suck in and he had taken these 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 steel uh, wedges and and put them in there and screwed them to the floor to, as chocks to hold the machine so when he gets there before we can unload the machine he asks us for a screw gun truck drivers should not have screw guns I'm just going to tell you this. 
because out of six screws, he broke two of them off. So then we gave him a hammer. And this is why I appreciate my carpenters. I never seen a guy miss so many times trying to hit one screw. And I'm like, are we going to be here forever or is he going to finally hit the thing? I appreciate truck drivers and what they do. Leave the carpentry work to the carpenters and I'll leave the truck driving to you guys. How's that sound? But Jesus came down here and was born into a carpenter's family. And now here he is in heaven building for us. I'm glad to know we got an experienced man on the job up there. See, we don't have a problem understanding those things. But Jesus is up there. It's the Holy Spirit that's here. So I truly believe that when you accept the Lord, you receive the Holy Spirit into your heart as part of this born-again thing. And in Timothy, Paul is writing to us, and he says that God did not give us a spirit of timidity. In other words, we're not supposed to be scared. We're supposed to be emboldened. You guys remember, and I don't remember the name of the cartoon, but it was part of the Looney Tunes. So those of us who are old enough to remember watching Looney Tunes on Saturday morning, or, or in our case, at 3 o'clock when we get off school, whatever the case may be, you remember there was a cartoon and there was this big old bulldog and there's this little bitty thing, you know, that would yap. And as long as he had that big bulldog with him, he was a tough little son of a gun, right? For any of you younger generation, look it up, Google it, you'll probably find it. We're the little, bull, we're the little dogs and Jesus is the bulldog. The Holy Spirit is the bulldog. We should be emboldened by that. Not timid, not afraid. We have nothing to fear when we have Jesus. Nothing. It's been said sometimes that I'm too political. I want you to hear me because I'm not going to stop preaching the way I preach. I've already told the board after we had a meeting, I said, look, guys, if you want anything other than me, I'll give you my resignation right now. The hardest part about me giving my resignation, I'm just going to tell you right now, would be containing the smile on my face as I give it. If I'm not the man for the job, that's fine. I'll step down. But I'm going to preach the way the Lord has put it on my heart to preach, and that's the way it's going to be. As it pertains to politics, I use politics so much in my messages not to try to sway you politically to one side or the other. But because it's just so dadgum easy to point out the evil in the world through politics. It's so easy to show you what Satan is doing by showing you what's happening in our political world today. The, 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 the worship of Baal back in biblical times, you know, Israel got into that. That's satanic worship. Israel got into that, and that's the reason that God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to come and destroy them and pull them into captivity for 70 years. It's because of their Baal, Baal worship. Baal, Baal, whatever you want to call it. Their satanic worship. And when you go and you study that type of worship and the way they were so eager to sacrifice children, and then you look at a political party in Virginia who standed and applauded after approving the euthanasia of babies after they were born. 
you draw a pretty strong similarity. Now, I'm not going to tell you which political party that was, but you can figure it out. Google it. Google's a wonderful thing sometimes. That's evil. And it's so blatantly obvious. So how do I not bring that out? Because you guys are people I care about. And I want you to know what's happening in the world around you. And I want you to know how it pertains to the Word of God. Because for me, that builds my faith. When I see the Word of God predict something and then I see it come true, I'm just like, yep, we're right on track. Yep, this is exactly what God saw happening. And you know what? The day is coming closer and closer where he's going to redeem us from all of this. See, it wasn't God's design to have to send Jesus. It wasn't God's design for this world to have to have the book of Revelations and what happens. Like I said before, God has foresight and he can see it coming a mile away. He sees what evil is doing. He knows what evil's agenda is. He knows how evil works and he can just see it. Just like I can see a toddler falling off of a chair or, or you know, you just, you just, sometimes you see things. I remember one time, you know, as an electrician, I've trained a lot of people. We do apprenticeship programs, and I was an electrician. We were up in Placerville, and we were working on a house. <coughs> and I sat there and watched an apprentice do one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. And I could tell it was about to happen, and I couldn't say anything and get it stopped in time to stop it. But in my mind, I had already seen what was going to happen. But we were drilling holes through studs that had insulation already in them. They were open studs on the backside. They had drywall or insulation and then drywall on the other side. So we're doing this. And it kept balling up the insulation a little bit. The the bit would go through and ball. So he decides to take the bright idea that he's going to put the hole saw in here. And as the bit went through, he's going to just grab the end of the bit and pull it away from the... And he did. He did. And it's a ship auger bit. And it wrapped his finger up and ripped, literally ripped the end of his leather glove right off his hand and gnarled up his finger a little bit. And it's like, he's, he's, and I think that's what God's doing up there in heaven right now. He's like, this is going to be bad. <laughs> I don't think he designed it this way, but he's, he's sitting here thinking, these people Thank God he's got a plan of redemption. I didn't have a plan to redeem that kid's glove and finger. <laughs> that was just, are you stupid or what? I mean, that's the way you talk to apprentices. Well, you'll get that here pretty quick. Wherever he went, okay? And God's probably up there wondering, are they stupid or what? But I'll send my son, and we'll put him on the cross, And we'll let evil have its moment. But then I can save them all if they'll just let me. God didn't design the bad things in the Bible. He just saw them. And he knew. And the concern that I have for my church, the concern that I have for people in general is this. And I find it in Romans and it bothers me. Because I see this coming true so vividly. Romans chapter 1, verse 28 through 32. And God, just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a depraved mind to do those things that are not proper. See, that's what happened with mankind. Evil came into the world. And we started doing, and I say we, I say mankind, 
started doing these bad things. So God gave them up to their depraved minds. And it has just compounded over the centuries. He gave them up their depraved minds to do those things that are not proper. People having been filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, and evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, arrogant parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unfeeling, unmerciful, although they know the ordinance of God, that those practice such things are that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they do not do the same, but they also approve of those who practice them. Did that not just describe your typical non-believer today? Your typical non-believer. You know, politicians, <clears throat> I think probably politicians on both sides of the aisle, they love to use this term. The ends justifies the means. The end result of what we're trying to approve is, will justify whatever dirty things we have to do to get us there. And it's not just politicians that believe that way anymore. Society as a whole kind of does. The ends justifies the means. There is nothing more far from the truth than that statement. Was that Jesus' approach to life when he was here? Well, I'm fixing to go die for these people, so I, whatever I want to do with them, I'll just do it, and however I want to do it, no. Jesus was righteous and holy and good in everything he did. In everything he did. There was no compromising that. Righteousness is not something that can be compromised, folks. Righteousness is not something that we can live on Sunday and compromise the other six days of the week. In my line of work, that would be very easy to do. It is hard in today's economy and in today's society to be righteous and be a businessman and be righteous all the time. The opportunity to do wrong is everywhere. Case in point, and this happens to me all the time. Case in point, I ordered <clears throat> a very, very large amount of materials. Very large amount of materials. And I'm having it delivered out to my yard, and we are pre-building some stuff, and, and uh, I noticed out there on the top of one of my stacks of lumber was a whole stack of one-by-fours, 16 feet long. Now, I'm needing some one-by-fours for another job. I'm not quite ready for them yet, but I'm needing them. And they came to my place. They're on my property. They're sitting there right now. And I've got the devil sitting over here saying, okay, cha-ching, you win one. Hang on to those and use them on the next job. And I've got the Holy Spirit sitting over here saying, that's not how we do business. So I called Home Depot, and I said, you've delivered extra material that I didn't pay for. Send a truck out here, and we'll get you loaded up, and you can take it back. And it's those kinds of things I see all the time in my career. I have gone into Home Depot, <clears throat> gotten out, started unloading my stuff, and realized, I don't think they rang this up. Look at my receipt. They didn't ring this up. And I walked back into the store and said, I owe you for this. You need to ring me up. A lot of people don't do that. But God won't let me do it any other way. 
It's tough to be in business and remain righteous. It's tough to live in this world and remain righteous. But the end never justifies the means, folks. Ever. Ever. Whether it be in your personal life, whether it be in politics. I don't give... I, 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 even though I preach about it, even though I have opinions about it, honestly, guys, I couldn't care less about politics. For the most part, I don't trust anybody in politics. I don't care what side of the aisle they're on. Right there. I'm pretty vocal about who I voted for for president. And I'll be quite honest with you. The things that he did as president, the policies that he stood for, I agreed with. That man is a billionaire Largely in part, if you go back and look, because he screwed a lot of little people to get there. He did. He's not Jesus Christ. He is not my Savior. I liked him because, you know what? He stood up for my right to have my guns, and he stood up for my right to be here this morning. I like those things. I couldn't care less about politics. I'm not trying to sway anybody to be political one way or the other. I'm trying to sway you to love Jesus. But here's what concerns me and why I use politics and why I bring this stuff up is because of this, this, this message right here. It says, those who practice this evil are not worthy of God. And those who support those who practice this evil are not worthy of God. What do you support? What are you supporting? Are you supporting those who stand up and cheer when they kill babies? And I'm not saying politically wise that the other side's any more holy or any more better. I bring it up because I care. I don't want you guys to fall under judgment for being on the wrong side of history, on the wrong side of this spiritual war that's going on in this world today. Oh, and I know when it comes to politics, we get pretty, pretty touchy. Oh, well, you know, I've always been this way, or I've always been that, and I've, you know, I don't care what you've always been. What are you today? Do you love the Lord today? Fear has no place in the Christian's vocabulary. And I'm not saying that we're not scared. I'm scared of snakes, guys. I don't like snakes. I really don't. And if you want to see me have a come apart, ask my wife what happens in the middle of the night when a spider crawls across my face. There's been times she's been lucky to get out of bed in one piece because I have a come apart in the middle of the night. Okay, I'm not saying... There aren't going to be things that scare us. You want to see my wife have a come apart? Watch what happens when I try to recover a plane out of a stall or from going into a stall at 16,000 feet. See, I train on stalls. We go up, we stall the plane, it starts falling out of the sky. You push the nose down and you get... Okay, so the other day we're flying over to Colorado Springs and the autopilot's flying and we hit a big old massive downdraft and the autopilot just keeps pitching us up, pitching us up. 
try to get back up to the altitude that we're supposed to be at. All of a sudden, I see my airspeed drop, and I'm like, we're about to stall this thing. So I off autopilot, nose down, and she just about lost it. Just about lost it. I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to get scared. But to be afraid of the Bible, to be afraid of what's going to happen, to not trust God enough that you can't handle listening to a preacher preach about what's going on in the world today, that kind of fear, there's no need for it. If you know Jesus today, you have nothing to fear. And if you are fearing, then I think we need to talk about getting to know Jesus. I don't ask for these sermons. I don't say, God, what's the scariest thing you can have me go talk about today? I just say, God, you better give me something to say because these people are about to show up and they expect me to have something to talk about. And there have been times, this morning being one of them, I'm like, God, are you sure? Are you sure this is the message you want from me? Because if this is me, if this is me talking and not you talking, let's put a stop to this right now. I prayed that exact same prayer, setting in my recliner this morning as I was preparing this message. And I pray it a lot. God, if this isn't, if this isn't what you want me to do, let's stop right now because I don't want to do it. We'll just go have coffee and donuts, sing a couple songs, and get the heck out of Dodge, which would be fine with me. I try to do the very best that I can do to bring you the word of God the way he puts it on my heart. In Corinthians chapter 1, verse, or, no, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 13 through 14. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Oh, I like the way he says that. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Act like men. Boy, there's a, there's a term that's really uh, questionable these days, isn't it? So I just shared with you, we flew into Colorado Springs. That's a big city, by the way. I don't do well in big cities. Then we flew into Fayetteville, Arkansas area, that whole area, Bentonville, Fayetteville. You know, that's the headquarters of Walmart. There's a dadgum Walmart on every corner of some kind. They got Walmarts like I've never seen before there. But it's big. It's the whole, you know, it's multiple towns that have just grown together. So it's a pretty sprawling area, and there's a lot of people. One thing that I've noticed, whenever I get in or around a big city, the question of manhood Seems a little less clear. It seems like society today does not want a man like Paul is talking about who stands up. No, they'd rather have a skinny jean wearing, bun in the hair. I really would like to get together with you and let's just cry out your problems together. <laughs> That's what they see as a man nowadays. Or what they want to see, they villainize guys that go out and rope cows and spit on the ground and <laughs> I just wonder what kind of men are they hoping to have in Ukraine today somebody who wants to go hide in the corner and cry it out or are the people of Ukraine today looking for men who are being watchful and firm and standing their ground See, I believe that's the godly principle. Ladies, I don't mean to take anything away from you, but I believe that's what the Bible says men should be. Men are designed to be the protectors of the family. 
Well, guys, this church is my family. And I'm watchful for you. I'm looking for you. I spend a ridiculous amount of time studying world events and how it pertains to the Word of God. A ridiculous amount of time. And there are people, from what I understand, who, 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 who won't come back to our church because they, they don't agree with me on that. And that's fine. Nobody has to agree with me. You guys don't have to buy what I'm selling up here. You don't. But you know the other day when that surgeon went to open me up, I realized right off the bat, <clears throat> I haven't spent as much time studying the human anatomy as she has, so I'm not going to argue with her about where in the world she cuts me. Like, here, 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 here. I wasn't fit. So my question is, before you judge me, don't judge me unless you spend as much time studying it as I have. I'm doing it because I'm watching out for my family. I'm watching out for you guys. I want you to be prepared when the Lord comes back. I don't want to see any of you guys fading into the distance as I'm being taken up. I want to see you right over here with me. All of you. All around me. That's why we're here. That's what a pastor, a leader of a church, in my opinion, should be. If he's a skinny, beat jean, hair bun, let's go cry out your problems kind of a guy, good luck with that. When times get tough. That's not what the Bible says a man should be. And I want to leave you with this. Psalms chapter 27, verse 1 through 5. The Lord is my salvation. Praise God. I know that today. In my heart, I know that Jesus Christ is my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and they fell. If an army encamps against me, my heart will not fear. If war arises against me, in spite of this, I am confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For on the day of trouble, and that day's still coming. We haven't seen the day of trouble, but it's coming. On the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. He will hide me in the secret place of his tent. He will lift me up on a rock. Guys, that's my hope. And this is never wrong. This has never been wrong. I don't fear Russia. I don't fear China. I don't fear what's going on in the world today. Not one single bit. I don't, certainly don't fear old man Biden or any of the others. I don't care what kind of color they represent. Donkey, elephant, whatever. My hope is in Jesus. My strength is in Jesus. I'm that little, I'm that little dog bouncing around this big old bulldog. Bring it. I love the Lord today, and I hope you do too. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for these who have come. Lord, I just pray for this church, and I lift it up as, as uh, my heart breaks when I see numbers fall, Lord, and I, I don't want to see that. And not for you. I want to do my best for you, Lord. I want this church to do our best for you in all things we do here at Circle 3, Lord. May it be for your glory and only for your glory. 
Lord, I just pray for the prayer requests of the church as there are many, and you know the needs of each and every one of them. I'm not going to tell you your business. I just trust you, Lord, that you will take care of everything that needs taken care of in the way that you would have it done. Just pray that you be with each and every one of us. Bring us all back together next week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you'd like to, but you're not really sure how, please feel free to email us at circle3podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's circle, the number three, podcast at gmail.com. We would love to help you out. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and click follow. That way you never miss a message. Cowboy churches are the fastest growing in the nation, so there's sure to be one near you if you'd like to try it out. Have a great day. See you next time.